Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my guy, Hank and Dictor. Hank, how are you tonight, my friend? How was your Christmas? You know what? My Christmas was was very good. Great, great to hang out with my family and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I would say I enjoyed Christmas a lot better than I enjoyed the Giants game. But we will get into that a little bit later. But I do want to say a few things first. First off, shame on me because... I had to pick the Giants again. I just had to have faith in my team to beat the friggin' Eagles because I thought it was a winnable game. And what happens? They lay that egg on me. You'd think I would have learned my lesson by now, but oh well. Second thing I want to say, shout out to Andy Hopper. As much as I would have loved to have you on here, I will be double fisting in your honor. Good luck to you this week in uh, a big matchup between the Giants and the Bears. Tom, how's it going? It's going good. Well, when you're four and eleven, there's nothing else you can do besides drink, right? Cheers. Two, just two guys in their mid twenties drinking on a Giants podcast tonight. That's all it's going to be. Yes, sir. And previewing the Chicago game, of course, folks. Remember to follow us on all of our social media platforms below on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Pig Blue Avenue. We are a sub show of Review and Preview Sports. Make sure to go check us out on Review and Preview. John Rankin with the heart. John, thank you so much. Your Pittsburgh Steelers, at least, are doing a little bit better than us. Make sure to go check out John Rankin at the real tight spot. He has an awesome Twitter account. He's also on Twitch. Fun fact. But, uh, Hank, we have a lot in store tonight. Before we recap the Philadelphia game and introduce who our guest will be, she'll be joining us tonight at 730. I'm really excited to have her on. Unfortunately, John Madden passed away on Tuesday morning at the age of 85 years old. And this was a huge loss, a big influential part of my life and your life, Hank, growing up. I mentioned on Tuesday night's episode of Review and Preview that John Madden was my role model growing up. You know, I would mute I would mute the TV a lot when other announcers were calling games, but not John Madden. I always wanted to hear what he had to say and what he brought to the football game, not just as a commentator, but as a head coach for the Oakland Raiders as well. Yeah, John Madden was one of the best NFL coaches of all time. And I shared this meme on my Facebook page, but, you know, the record pretty much speaks for itself. Out of all the coaches in NFL history who have coached over at least 100 games, you know who has the best winning percentage? Mr. Madden. Yes, sir. Over 76%. 
And I think so many generations of football fans were lucky that not only did we get to hear his like perspective of the game itself, but a lot of great coaching advice that he shared from, from his years with the Raiders. And, you know, we were lucky. We got a lot of people got to hear him for over what 30 plus years as a commentator. He had so many great partners on TV, but most notably him and Pat Summerall, both of them called many a great giants win over the years during the eighties and the nineties. And obviously we grew up with him doing games with Al Michaels on ABC back when they were, I believe they were the last Monday night football pair on ABC before Monday night football moved to ESPN. But in any event, I haven't even scratched the surface of how great he was. And, you know, it's, it's real. The NFL world really was, was never the same, not just now that he, that he's no longer with us, but I feel like the NFL broadcast really were, were never the same once he retired. That's just me. Yeah, it's just the energy he brought and the description. And before we get to a two John Madden memories, one that Hank's going to bring up and one that I'm going to bring up, we have a couple comments. Dominic Daniele saying, what's up, guys? What's up, Dom? Dom is the manager of our YouTube channel. Very excited. Cheers. Also, Dom, cheers to Dom releasing his November punishment this week, a presentation on why the Mets will win the NL East in 2022. John Rankin says, smooth freaking shout out. I love it, of course. And rest in peace to John Madden. Now, Hank, let's get into our uh, John Madden memories. And, folks, if you have any comments on John Madden or the New York Giants throughout the course of tonight's show, feel free to drop them in the comments section. We'd love to interact with you, uh, shoot the stuff back and forth with you. But, Hank, there was one memory of John Madden that really commemorated with you and why don't you share that with the folks watching right now? So I think my favorite John Madden memory personally, I'm sure many of you Giants fans remember the week 17 game between the Giants and the Patriots. That was the prequel to what was one of the greatest upsets in NFL history. The Giants lost that game, but that's not what everybody remembers about this game. What people remember was Tom Brady and Randy Moss set a record for most touchdown risk touchdown receptions in a single season. But I think the real thing about that game that stood out to a lot of those who watched were the giants played their and the Pats both played their starters in a game that on the surface really meant nothing like in regards to playoff seedings and whatnot. But Tom Coughlin played his starters in a game where he could have rested them considering the Pats were like undefeated. He wanted the giant. He they could have gotten the giants a little bit of rest, but Instead, he wanted them to play harder, I think probably as a way to prep them for the playoffs. And John Madden left a really nice long voice message to Tom Coughlin, essentially praising him for not just throwing away this game like it was a meaningless game, but like for having them play hard and at least giving them a little prep to what they probably would see. And well, as we all know, they eventually did see in the Super Bowl matchup. So I can't really recite the whole long message word for word. But when I, when I watched that again, like within hours after hearing that he passed, like that really brought, brought, it gave me the chills listening to it. Not just cause it's probably the most memorable giant season of, I know not just my lifetime, but your lifetime and pretty much every giants fans lifetime too. But just hearing John Madden say those powerful words to Tom Coughlin, both of whom are NFL coaching legends. It just, it, it, it was amazing. 
And it motivated the Giants to go on to yes. win the Super Bowl and beat the New England Patriots, the undefeated New England Patriots. That was one giant upset. And that's how symbolic that moment was when John Madden left that voicemail. He played it to the entire Giants team, staff, and it motivated them to go on a run. Now, here's my John Madden moment that commemorates with the Giants. Rewind 17 years prior. Phil Simms is out for the season. The Giants are heading to the Super Bowl with a backup QB in Jeff Hostetler. They just beat the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game without scoring a touchdown. They beat them 15-13. to 13. Parcells is getting interviewed, and Hostetler is getting interviewed. And Hostetler is telling reporters, you better not make me miss this bus to the airport. You better not make me miss this bus to the airport because once Parcells walks by, the bus is going to leave whether if you're on it or not. He didn't care if you were starting quarterback or the backup kicker. That bus was leaving. So Jeff Hostetler, who was filling in for Phil Simms that season, ends up missing the bus. Bill Parcells walks right past him. The bus leaves. Jeff Hostetler runs out. He's all worried and confused. And there's John Madden. John Madden says, what's the matter? And Jeff's like, I missed the bus to the airport. I don't know what I'm going to do. And John Madden's like, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And uh, remember, folks, this was during the time that the Gulf War was happening. So there was a lot of airport security and restriction back then. Uh, you know, there still is today. But uh, Madden made a couple phone calls. Hostetler enters the airport through the back entrance. Somebody magically opens the gate. They drive Jeff Hostetler up right to the steps that led up to the Giants airplane that was taking off. He walks up the steps, and who's sitting in that very first seat on the airplane? It's Bill Parcells. And you know what Tuna says? Well done. Well done. And he was not referring to winning the NFC Championship game. He was referring <laughs> to Jeff Hostetler being on time for the flight. And that is one John Madden moment that I will never forget. John Madden helped Jeff Hostetler be on time for Super Bowl Twenty-Five. How crazy is that? And that, and you know, it helps, helps that he had that famous Madden cruiser to get him, get him there too. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very factual. Uh, we have more comments here. This might be the worst game of the year. Get your popcorn ready, folks. Let's go, Bears. Andy, get your brew ready, man. Uh, step Andy, up your game. Once again, all this Andy. in this aluminum can. Too early for this, Rankin. Too early. Uh, rest in peace to the GOAT, John Madden, his impact, not just as a great coach, the amount of people he spread the game to with his colorful commentary and the Madden series can't be understated of which I am one of them. I started playing Madden when I was five or six years old. So yeah, that, that game had a big influence in my life growing up. My brother and I must've ripped through like 10 years of the Giants franchise and we never lost the game. Thanks to John Madden. These were some awesome memories. Yes, they were, Sam. You know, all we have right now is Giants fans are memories because we're about to get into the Week 16 game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, By the way, Sam, so, this is another cheers for you, too. Yes, we miss Sam Cardona, right now. the girl who talks sports. Make sure to go check her out on all social media platforms. She is also a member of Big Blue Avenue. Hank, Giants are going into Philly. Took a ride down the turnpike, which you always hate when I say that. Uh, but 
Why don't you take us through the first half of this game? Because the first half was actually, yes, it was some bad offense, but it, there was also some great defense being played on the football field from both teams. All right. So the first half pretty much was one reason as to why I kind of had a little bit of hope. Maybe you could argue too much hope guilty as charged for thinking the giants had a chance to win this game, but I'll, I'll take you through it. So near the first half, the giants pretty much mounted their first lengthy drive. They went 39 yards on 11 plays. They reached the Eagles 36 yard line, but that's all they really got. They settled for a Graham Gano 54 yard field goal. Gave the Giants a 3-0 lead, and, you know, I, I think you can safely say it all went downhill from there. Eagles on their immediate drive, they would go 53 yards on nine plays, but Jake Elliott missed a 41-yard field goal. That kind of gave us a little bit of hope, but obviously that was pretty much the Short end lift. of every good thing that happened to the Giants in this game. So the Giants would go three and out in the next possession. The Eagles... They marched down to the Giants' four-yard line on their next possession. They settled for a 22-yard field goal by Jake Elliott. Now, this was the drive that, to me, told me that show was the drive where I saw a really bad omen. The big play was Jalen Hurts threw that big 46-yard pass to Devontae Smith. It was a big catch, and every time I look at that, it just – it's tough to watch because James Bradbury got burned on that play and really badly. And you could tell from that, even though the Eagles could only get a field goal, you just knew with the way our offense ran that the game was not going to go well after that play. So obviously they'd go into the locker room tied, but you know, good feelings were gone. And are you ready for a not so fun fact, Tom? And I believe it was you who actually gave me this fun fact. The Giants are the NFL team to score 10 or fewer points in the first half of every single game this season. And all I can say about that is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And, you know, it just goes to show you, you can change the quarterback, you can change the offensive coordinator, and you can still have talented playmakers like Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, healthy or not. Evan Engram, whether he catches a ball or not, Saquon Barkley, healthy or not, whether or not he has the support of a good offensive line. This offense is broken beyond repair. And I'm sorry to say it, but it is the unfortunate truth. And before I go into the second half, let me give you another example of how bad the offense is. Our wide receiving core still doesn't have a touchdown since week seven. Ridiculous. All right, so let's talk about this horrible second half, and let me go through this as quick as I can. Giants opening drive didn't last long. Second play, Jake Fromm throws a pick to Rodney McLeod. It was returned 24 yards to the Giants, 21. And then five plays later, noted killer Boston Scott scores a three-yard touchdown, puts the Eagles ahead to stay, and, yeah, that it would go from bad to worse from here on out. The Giants not only went three and out in their next drive, Riley Dixon's punt only went as far as the Eagles' 40-yard line, and Jalen Rager returned at 39 yards to the Giants' 21. And despite the strong field position, though, this drive actually didn't really last long. Eagles took a Jake Elliott field goal there, but did it really matter? No, because at the end, they may have switched their quarterback after this because Jake Fromm was benched for Mike Lennon. Jake Fromm only went 6 for 17 with 25 passing yards. Again, not good. But after a three-and-out, Giants would go three and out. It didn't really matter. 
Eagles once again capitalize on good field position. They went on a 57-yard drive, five plays, ended with a four-yard touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts to, to Devontae Smith again. Another big play on this drive, 39-yard reception from Quez Watkins. And again, the secondary was burnt toast on this play. It's just, I don't know what to say anymore. It was ridiculous. And Smith on the day had five catches for 80 yards and one touchdown. Obviously, a lot of this is inflated by this by one of his big catches, but at the end of the day, it just goes to show you, just goes to show you how bad our secondary has been. And it just goes to show you how banged up the Giants really are. So another punt, Eagles mounted a 75-yard 10-play drive, resulted in another touchdown. And, you know, this was where it felt like they were just kicking us while they were down. Hurts threw a touchdown pass to lineman Lane Johnson. And, you know, I, I said that Jalen Hurts wasn't the best at throwing the ball. He looked a lot better this time. He, on, he went 17 for 29, 199 y- nine passing yards and two touchdowns. He definitely redeemed himself from the last game he played against the Giants. And, you know, unfortunately, things continue to go bad from worse because Glennon threw a pick six to Alex Singleton, 34-3 Philly. Singleton had 11 tackles on this day, too. So you could argue he was he was the other key player in the victory for Philadelphia. And while, yeah, we did get one touchdown late in the game, it was a, it was a pass from Glennon Engram. I think it's safe to say it was way too little, way too late. Damage was already done. Final drive went 21 plays for 60 yards. And, well, another season, no playoffs. The Giants are officially mathematically out. And mercifully, the game was over. And I will say one silver lining before we get into the pros and cons. At least this wasn't a game where the Giants just choked away and teased us into thinking they were going to win before Philly came back like usual. That's about it. Yep. Garbage time touchdown for Evan Ingram. Lovely. But we have some comments. Uh, Sam says, thank you. Appreciate it. No problem, Sam. Uh, This offense is broken like my heart. This Giants team makes me feel like I'm going through a breakup. Feel the same way. At least Tom has the Mets. Not talking about the Mets. Jamie says this is depressing. Give us something to look forward to. Mom, Steve, here's something to look forward to. Steve is curious why we are Joe Judge supporters. What has he shown you that makes you think he is the right guy going forward? Um, well, I feel like we've answered this question in recent weeks, and we're actually going to answer it a little later on in the show, but I'll give you my take now. He's been a great manager of the draft. I have no complaints from our last two drafts, except for maybe selecting Gary Brightwell in the sixth round where we could have went with Trey Smith. I have no complaints with the way Joe Judge has been managing this draft the past couple of years. Number two, he inherited a mess from Dave Gettleman, and a lot of those players are still on the Giants roster. Joe Judge was dealt a very weak, not talented roster, and when you have a weak an untalented roster, you're more than likely to expose your flaws as a head coach. Reason number three, he's not even 40 years old yet. And quite frankly, I think he's done a good job coaching up this defense, coaching up the special teams. He didn't have a say in who the original offensive coordinator was. He did not hire Jason Garrett. He should have had a say in who the offensive coordinator was, but he didn't because John Marrow was meddling his way through the system. And the media 
hated Joe Judge the second he walked into the door. Now, that's not me saying that Joe Judge has no flaws as a head coach. I think he deserves a third year because, look, you want him to be able to hire his own offensive coordinator, and you want him to nail that hire. I think he is worthy of a third year because of the two coaches we had before. Pat Shermer was very incompetent and was strictly an offensive play caller. And Ben McAdoo, I don't even have to explain before that. He's already been an upgrade over McAdoo and Shermer. And you could say what you want about him, the mismanagement of timeouts. A lot of young coaches go through it. It's been exposed more for him because the Giants are 4-11. and 11. If the Giants are maybe... Six and eight, seven and seven. We're not having this conversation about Joe, Joe, Joe Judge right now. And I know I'm in the minority because the media has influenced majority of the fan base that Joe Judge should be fired. They never talk about the good things Joe Judge has done for the Giants. And it gets me angry that Hank and myself have to sit here every week and defend this guy tooth and nail and try to convince our fan base that Joe Judge deserves to be the head coach next year. And for the record, while I pretty much agree with Tom for the most part, I'm not going to tell you that he's completely blameless either because, like I said, that that whole timeout scenario shouldn't have happened. I didn't like the whole thing about the headset, and I also didn't like the way he wasted a timeout and the whole delay of game thing in Miami. But all things considered, you know, the Giants aren't really bad necessarily because of Joe Judge. I think there's a lot of things – in and out of his control that have just set the Giants up to fail. And to me, it starts off with the man up top, the owner, and the guy who he hired to be the GM. And let's face it, whether you like Joe Judge or not, you have to at least acknowledge that he inherited a pretty terrible roster. And, you know, this was a t- – I mean, let's not forget, we thought that this guy showed improvement on a 6-10 and 10 team. Now, I don't care whether or not like they, they were close to the playoffs or not. Calling the Giants improved at 6-10 and 10 tells you all you need to know about the state of our franchise and, and why we even had a little bit of hope going into this season. However, with that being said, I am also going to acknowledge that if he gets his own coaching staff to hire, then there's going to be more pressure on him because, let's face it, if they lose a few games, then the writing's going to be on the wall, and then and the excuses are going to are going to be gone regarding regarding you know his own coaching staff and regarding the talent level on his roster. But in any event, say what you want about Joe Judge. I can't say that he's the he's I can't say he's the main problem of the Giants. He might not. I'm not saying he's the solution, but main problem. No, look at the top. Am I sold on him long term? No, but he deserves a third year. He definitely deserves a third year. Um, there were some positives to take from this game. We want to encourage our fan base a little really? bit because your your mother's getting depressed here in the comments section, so we have to switch gears a, just a little again, bit. Again, Mom, look at the logo on my hat. That's all you, I'm going to say. And, Steve, look, we always respect your opinions on everything, but I think Freddie Kitchen's – Jason Garrett, Dave Gettleman all need to be off of this coaching staff in front office. And I think John Merritt needs to have less of a say in these decisions. I think a lot of people wanted Parcells gone after year two. That's why I'm showing this much resistance about Joe Judge. I'm not saying he's the next Bill Parcells. I don't think he is, but I don't know. 
That's just that's just how I feel. If he if the Giants shit the bed again next year and we're having the same conversation about Joe Judge, then I might be on the fire Joe Judge train. But right now, I'm not there right now. Um, Actually, it was I do agree with this comment. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Joe Judge hasn't done anything to necessarily blow me away this year either. Um, Team hasn't done anything wrong for hasn't done anything for about 10 years now. And that's a problem that extends far past the current head coach. Correct. Um, Correct. Well, we thought it couldn't get worse than Jerry Reese. Well, we were wrong. It got worse with Dave Gettleman. But let's get to the positives, please, because this is really destroying me. Our player of the week is Logan Ryan, the safety captain, second-year player on the team now. We'll share a quick graphic for you, folks, and why we love Logan Ryan as much as we do. Um, He is a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, which should be noted. He had a good game against Philadelphia, had two great pass deflections during that game. Also gave the Giants an early Christmas gift last year, signing his three-year extension. And look, I know what everybody's going to say. It's never good when your safety has over 100 tackles. He kind of plays like a hybrid linebacker safety role at times where he's lurking around the line of scrimmage making plays against tight ends. He's not necessarily making tackles always at that third level that a lot of people are saying. And he has a knack for causing turnovers as well, which I really like about him. Now, I don't believe he has any interceptions this season, but last year he was creating a lot of havoc for opposing quarterbacks, Hank. Yeah, definitely. And I think his leadership is – I think he's pretty much been one of the few, like, bright spots on the secondary besides Xavier McKinney leadership's been pretty big. And, you know, looking at the whole decision of giants player of the week, I think this was one of our hardest decisions all year for picking a player of the week, but looking at the, some of the little things in this game, I think defending two passes in addition to those six tackles, I think that definitely sealed the deal in him getting this from us this year. And should be interesting to see how he helps the secondary next year, and hopefully it improves. Hopefully we don't have yeah. as much injuries and bad luck, COVID willing. Yeah, I mean, it was tough at the time. We really didn't know. And, yeah, uh, we're not referring to you, Steve. I, I'm referring to the people that have been blowing us up in the DMs about Joe Judge. We, we've gotten a lot of Joe yep. Judge hate. Um, over the past few days, um, that has nothing to do with you. In case you were curious, but no, uh, Steve, you're yeah, right. It's it's it, yeah. Look, we're we're totally on board with you. He, he's nothing special at the moment, but I would like to give him another year because um, I don't think that was a Dave Gettleman hire. But other pros, uh, we contained Dallas Goddard pretty well, and I thought Andrew Thomas had a nice game. He's allowed just one sack in his last. Transition from his first eight games as a rookie up until now, nearly the conclusion of his second season. And Lorenzo Carter had another good game. I think those are the only positives you take away from this Philadelphia game. Yeah, I I, I would definitely agree. And I think one thing I want to say regarding Andrew Thomas, got to keep that guy healthy next year. Yeah. I think he's really the one offensive lineman you really have to keep and build around with, for the future. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree. Now we get to the cons, but we promise this is not going to be as depressing as you think. 
So biggest con is Jake Fromm did not have a good game. He was benched for Mike Lennon. Um, it's tough to game plan to win when you have two QBs like Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon, who quite frankly, I just don't think are very good. Um, you know, which that shows value in Daniel Jones and it sure shows value in Eli Manning because the Giants have now started three quarterbacks for the first time since 1992 when they started with Sims, went to Hostetler, and eventually ended up with Kent Graham. So regardless, it says a lot when you're using a quarterback signed off of someone else's practice squad. So we don't even know who's going to start at QB this week. I mean, 108 passing yards between the two combined. Uh, Galladay only had three catches. And, yeah, the Giants only had 192 total yards of offense. So, like, these are negatives from this game. I mean, the Giants were outrushed 130 to 84. Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and my God, Boston Scott did it again. He did it again. Uh, Saquon Barkley, just 32 yards on the ground. Uh, neither running back could get past the second level. And this was why one of my players to watch last week was TJ Edwards, who ended up getting 16 tackles in this game and why I'd like to steal him and put him on the giants because the fog who we interviewed Tuesday night on review and preview said the Eagles had this really poor linebacking core that all of a sudden has become a competent linebacking core. And they've done a real, real nice job. And Barkley not wanting to talk to the media after the game. Kadarius Toney was our leading receiver in this game. And Matt Pert suffers a torn ACL ending his second season, unfortunately. Uh, I don't think it could get much worse than that, Hank. No, it can. And you know what also doesn't help was I saw a tweet late last night. Some reporter said that Saquon apparently wasn't taking his whole rehab stuff for his knee too seriously. If that's true, then you definitely cannot you definitely cannot extend that guy when he's a free agent. Yeah, it's a big problem. It, it is it is a big problem. Look, I get it. His alignment weren't good. Matt Pert had a PFF grade of nine point eight, and Matt Scura had a PFF grade of eleven, which was absolutely pathetic. You had Jake from State Farm starting on their center for you, as Sam just said, um, and Riley Dixon. We like Riley Dixon, but he had a terrible game. He averaged 36 and a half yards a punt on eight kicks. Not good. Giants are one and seven on the road. We have another road game this week, our last one of the season. And Hank, as you said, the Giants have now lost eight consecutive games in the jailhouse of horrors known as Lincoln Financial Field. Okay, jailhouse technically, I really refers to the old veteran stadium, but considering how much I hate that franchise, I'm not going to, I won't yeah. change that. And even with the link, I, but let's, let's talk about the key takeaways. Well, we already did with Steve. We pretty much, we our did. key takeaways yeah. was the Joe judge argument. There's really nothing more to discuss. Um, we're going to have Caitlin Leaner, fan of the Chicago bears and host of the bear down girl podcast coming on in just under one minute. But I do want to say, Hank, you said Joe Judge owes Patrick Graham a trip to Peter Luger's. Why? Because the defense isn't the problem. The defense, I think, might be the reason he's going to still have a job next season. Yeah. And I know the score might not reflect it, but do you really think the defense was the problem when they got blown out by the Eagles? I mean, 
let's see. You have two bad quarterbacks. One throws a pick six. One guy goes, as we said, six for 17 for only 25 yards. Yeah, that's totally the defense's fault. <laughs> no. Fact. No. Pat, and if you look at the other games they were in, like they were closer because of the defense. So, yeah, he definitely owes Pat, Patrick Graham a trip to Peter Luger Steakhouse in New York City. On that note, let's gear off this Philadelphia game and transition into the Chicago Bears, host of the Bear Down Girl podcast, Caitlin Leaner. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hope you're having a happy holidays and uh, enjoying a nice Chicago Bears win. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Hope you guys had a good holiday as well. Um, Yeah, it's exciting to celebrate a Bears win. It doesn't happen often, so. (laughs) Hey, well, you got more than us. Uh, One more than us. There's a lot of significance going into this game. But before we get there, why don't you tell people where they can find you and the Bear Down Girl podcast? Sure. So I have two different Twitter accounts. One is my personal one, which is at Caitlin Leaner, um, just my name. And then at Bear Down Girl Pod, which I tweet about the podcast and give you updates on new episodes. So you can follow me there. And then the podcast will I'll be dropping this pre- a preview episode tomorrow night for this game. Um, which will be up on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listen to your podcast. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for that information. And well, let's get into the questions. Um, now, folks, if you have any comments on the Giants-Bears upcoming game this week, uh, Sam is stoked that you're on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sam. <laughs> I believe we were all part of Andy's draft show back in April. Yes, I believe. Yeah. that was that was yeah. a rather interesting night. <laughs> Never forget my reaction to Kadarius Tony. It was the exact same as Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Shout out Sam Cardona, but Caitlin, my first question to you is: the Bears are coming off a one-point win against the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field. Your thoughts on Nick Foles doing it again? The way he just comes in—I know he may not start this week, but he just comes in and somehow magically gets it done for a team that's struggling. How did he get it done? It just nothing he does anymore surprises me. Like he's one of those quarterbacks you can fill in for a game. I wouldn't give him like half a season to start for us because I feel like it, I we tried that and it didn't really work. But bring mm-hmm. him in for a game, and I like my chances. And I it's hard to explain what this Nick Foles magic is, but it it just happens every especially late games where we need a comeback. He somehow is able to do it, um, and and against all odds when we're on on the road and no one is expecting us to win it's it's crazy i don't know how to explain it anymore it's just kind of like some something some kind of magic it really is <laughs> well Foles was really on on sunday um yeah. obviously justin fields and andy dalton they're both questionable but i'm really hoping it's not Foles because he's three and oh against the giants <laughs> matt Nagy is two and one and we got a couple fun facts we're always about having fun here now, the Bears lead the all-time series 35-24-2. And, Hank, I believe you wrote this down. That includes six pre-Super Bowl-era matchups and two yes, playoff games. Six, six NFL championships. I believe last one was uh, 63 and then two playoff games. I want to say 85 and and, uh, nine, and 90, I think, 
Fun fact, 85, I think the Giants were probably the closest team to beating the 85 Bears at all in the playoffs. And shooting them out. Bears, that, that might be the best. And, by, and they lost ever. by 21 points, so it goes to show you how dominant that team was. <laughs> but here's a not-so-fun fact, folks. The Bears haven't won at Soldier Field since week four against the Lions in 13 weeks. But the Giants haven't won at Soldier Field since 2007, 14 years. So... So that, that is not Ruben good. Drones scored the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, did you say Ruben Drones? Yeah, I think it was Ruben Drones. I could be wrong. I, don't, uh, if I know he had remember, a big game that day. If we can't remember, that's not a good thing. Um, <laughs> but Caitlin Fields and Dalton—they both returned to practice for the Bears. Who would you start at quarterback on Sunday? If Justin Fields is healthy, he should be starting because he needs as many reps as he can get. And um, I understand, like he's not going to be playing with the same coaches you know it's looking like pretty much he's going to have new coaches next year um I still think him just getting out there getting reps on the field I just don't buy the learning on the sideline you got to be out there you got to be on the field and and so much he has learned along the way so far I just say you know these are crucial reps every single rep is crucial especially for a rookie quarterback and I want him out there no matter what. I don't care if we're not a playoff team. I think these reps matter, so I want him out there. Yeah, I don't I don't really blame you. And um, first of all, let's talk about your take on on uh, Fields as a whole. And I saw on one of your social medias you posted a picture of a really cool Justin Fields throw blanket. Who got you that? My mom. She, I guess she found it online, ordered it, just because, you know, anybody who knows me knows how much of a fan I am, so – which I'm super stoked about. I'm I I do believe in him, and I, I I've seen a lot from him this year that kind of gets me excited. He just needs the the right coaching around him and the right players, and I think he has all the potential to be great. That was pretty cool, actually. Not gonna lie. And yeah. um, <laughs> by the way, cheers to that. Cheers. <laughs> and um, I mean, we're four and eleven, so might as well drink up on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four and eleven <laughs> versus five and ten. Uh, you got to find some positive. <laughs> yeah, something positive. But there wasn't much positive last year either. I remember we played the Bears in week two, 17-13 loss. Mm-hmm. I think we might have had you on to either preview or review that game. Uh, Barkley tears his ACL. Giants were shut out in the first half. And I remember in particular David Montgomery was the catalyst in that game. Mm-hmm. I believe he had a receiving touchdown early on. Should the Bears use a similar strategy this time around? Because it seems like when the Bears are able to successfully utilize Montgomery, that's usually when they have their most success. That's the key. And I've always believed David Montgomery is the identity of this offense. And we saw just this past week how he can be a dual threat where he can catch and get a you know bunch of catches and have a lot of success there, but also running. He runs hard. He, you know, first contact doesn't get him. He usually fights for every single yard. And I just think he brings so much to this offense. And it, the the problem is, is I, I don't know if it's coaching, play calling. It's not as consistent why, for some reason, he doesn't get utilized enough. But whenever they do, when he whenever he hits at least 20 carries, like the odds of them winning go way up. Like they need him to be a crucial part of this offense. And I think no matter who they face, but in particular this week, especially coming off of last week, he should be the focal point. Absolutely. You know, the Giants and Bears, two old school franchises that like to run the football and play good defense. Might be a reason why 
uh, our conservative offensive approaches are the reasons why the Giants and Bears probably are a combined nine and twenty-two right now, whatever it is. Yeah. But uh, obviously, the Giants. We have the Bears' first and fourth round picks for twenty twenty-two. So there, there's a lot of talk there as to what could happen leading up into the game this week. If the Giants, a lot of Giants fans, will, obviously, I think all Giants fans should want to win, but a lot of Giants fans want to win to kind of like even out the draft picks and make sure they're both solidified top 10 picks. Uh, the Giants are struggling right now. Julian Love placed on the COVID list. Huge loss. I mean, the secondary is already depleted. Uh, had a big interception in last year's game. Giants released Sam Beal and Darquez Denard from the practice squad. Matt Pert had season-ending uh, surgery. They placed him on IR along with running back Gary Brightwell, along with Dexter Lawrence, who was a big key to stopping David Montgomery. He tested positive for COVID along with Matt Pert's backup, Corey Cunningham. Uh so it's not looking good, as Joe Judge mentioned, that both of those players are likely out on Sunday. So I think we're in a situation right now. There's so many players out for the Giants, and neither one of us know which quarterback is starting for our team. I think for you, Caitlin, it's it's probably going to be Dalton or Fields. For us, we're probably going to see both Glennon and Fromm. That's a catastrophe. Neither team knows who their starting quarterback is. That's when you know your football team's bad. <laughs> yeah. I think at least with us, it's just because the injuries have been we've been da- we've been hit with injuries this year. Um yeah. so it's kinda kinda is what it is. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. Hank, who starts at right tackle Sunday? Now that I'm thinking about it, I bet Nate Solder's probably coming back, right? Yeah, I I would say it has to be. I mean, he's one of the longest tenured members of the offensive line which really says something about how bad that offensive line is and probably one of the highest paid members of the offensive line. And I would imagine he's probably going to be gone from now a year from now. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say Nate Solder probably by default. <laughs> She's got a point. <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying when talking about our respective teams. That's just how I look at it. There is the the Mike Lennon revenge factor coming back to play Chicago, which is funny. Um. <laughs> that is a factor. Yeah. It was a three year, three year, forty five million dollar contract. Something we're like still that. we're still feeling the effects of that contract that we gave him. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, one of many brilliant contracts that McCaskies have signed over the years. But in any event, I think the next question we have to ask: Colk met and, Dar- and Darnell Mooney. They've pretty much come onto the scene. What ingredients do you think each of those players are going to bring to the table this week? Darnell Mooney, um, with him, he, this year he struggled with the drops. He's had, mm-hmm. you know, he has a lot of promise, um, but we've had to basically force him to be our number one with A-Rob being, Alan Robinson being out of the lineup most of the season. And Darnell Mooney, I think what he brings is like the wow factor, like the big plays down the mm-hmm. field. And it's hit and miss sometimes with that. So if, if he's going to have a big day, it's going to be, he works best getting a big catch down the field. Sometimes it's, you know, a yak where he can get like a small catch and just make something out of it, which we saw last week where he had this big, you know, yards after catch. 
play. Um, so he could bring that to the table. Cole Komet, he's the kind of guy also last week I saw just kind of like move the chains kind of guy. Um, we don't really need him to he, – he's capable of making some big plays down the field, but really he can be a go-to guy just to get a first down here and there and, you know, break tackles. He has the potential to do that. He's just been a little inconsistent, um, and they're also inconsistent about involving him in the game plan. So if they, you know, early on decide to look for him, I think he can be that guy who just helps us get down the field. That's definitely a good point. I mean, I'm a big advocate for Cole Komet because he went to Notre Dame and tight ends usually from that university pan out. I mean, Kyle Rudolph was good for several years. Um, Trying to think who else, Tyler Eifert as well. I think Cole Komet is that next guy that we're just waiting to see him come onto the scene. And if there's any week he'll score his first touchdown of the season, it's this (laughs) game because the quote that goes around the tri-state area is the Giants can't cover tight ends. So if you have Cole Komet, start him on your fantasy team, folks, because he's going to have a good week, I'm pretty sure. Um, is Allen Robinson playing, by the way? Is he, he, just still- got, he just got activated off the COVID list, and he had a bad, bad COVID. I mean, he said he lost 10 pounds. Like, he, he went through it. So I don't know how effective he would be. I don't know if they give him a week off just because that's a lot um, to get back into just game playing shape. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I think that's he's been he's also been dealing with injuries all year. And I just don't it's hard to tell sometimes because he's on the franchise tag of how invested he is, especially because I don't think he's going to be with the team next season. So it's almost like I, I, I just don't really even look at him anymore because I don't think he's even a part of this team. It just doesn't feel like it. Cause he hasn't really been doing anything. He really hasn't. It's been a shame. No. Now, speaking of guys who you probably don't want to be part of the team any longer, <laughs> who do you want as your new coach? If Nagy gets canned, because I know from having seen a number of your tweets that you and our good buddy, Andy Hopper are definitely on the fire Nagy train and, I would imagine the, the same is probably true for Ryan Pace, too. I actually, well, Matt Nike, yes, because, um, you know, we hired him to be this offensive guru, and he's mm-hmm. not. So he's got to go. Ryan Pace, I think he still has a chance to be here because of his ja- draft really? history, because he's really good at drafting, like, late-round steals. Some some of our, you know, if you look at our draft the past, like, two, three seasons, all the players that we've got, um, our, it's basically our core talent that we have right now. So I think he has a chance to keep the job, but might get, might get moved around where he's not the GM. He'll have like a different title, but he'll still be with us because he's he has a lot of um, success in the draft. So I have a feeling that he might still be here. And it actually might be a good idea to keep him because my dream scenario for head coach, I don't know how likely it is, but there are rumors swirling about Sean Payton maybe – a trade happening and that and that there's some rumors going around with his history with Chicago Illinois but also Ryan Pace comes from the Saints organization that's where we hired him from so if the possibility comes up for Sean Payton actually being able to get him keeping Ryan Pace is like you know relevant and here's my thing Sean Payton I want if I a head coach I want somebody who's established I'm tired of these, let's hire the next, you know, Sean McVay and all these, like, you know, up-and-coming offensive coordinators. I I need something that I can count on. 
Sean Payton and his development in quarterbacks and his offense. Now, I don't know how likely this is, but it's there are rumors swirling. So it's not like I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, imagining this. There is a slight possibility. And I do want somebody who has proven, you know, head coaching experience. Um, so I don't know how likely that would be. That would be my top scenario. Um, maybe Todd Bowles, if we want to just get a head coaching I, I just don't know. It's just I who whoever's going to be head coach, if they're not offensive-minded, what kind of offensive coordinator do they bring to the table? Because I need to make sure that Justin is getting the best, you know, coaching around him. So it just depends. But all these offensive coordinators are, that are just being talked about, I just don't know if I can trust in any of them because I just feel like I've been burned so many times, especially with Matt Nagy. I just, it's hard to trust anybody right now. That's factual. And, and yeah. it's interesting because Drew Brees just retired and the Saints obviously had to let a lot of players go in the offseason. So that theoretically would make sense if Peyton wanted to switch over to the Chicago Bears. I could personally see it happening. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I but yeah, I wouldn't Sean put it past it. This this will be an excellent clip in a few weeks from now if it does happen. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to pin that. Shout out, Caitlin, for predicting that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the game this weekend. There's going to be a lot of extra motivation, a lot of extra wind in the the windy city on Sunday, which leads us to our keys to the game. Um, And, Hank, I actually want to start with you here. Oh, really? Okay. Offensively, what is your key to the game? Hmm, this is a really tough one. Oh, I know. Uh, how about scoring points? Maybe a touchdown or two. That would help. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, Caitlin, I've got to ask you, because it's been on my mind for days. Do you see the Giants scoring a touchdown on Sunday? Don't be surprised. They actually might because um, our defense does give up a lot of yards, especially, you know, they uh, give up, give up a lot of yards to running backs and um, we've been, the defense has been hit with a lot of injuries as well. So I, they can give up some points for sure. Um, I don't know how consistent the giants could be offensively, but um, the defense is capable of giving up some yards. So don't be surprised. I like it. I like it. That was definitely outside the box uh, (laughs) analysis. I hope you're right. Hank, do you think that they're going to score a touchdown? I mean, I mean, a blind dog finds a bone eventually, right? So I'm going to say maybe, but then again, I shouldn't be too trustworthy because as I've stated a few episodes ago, the Giants make scoring touchdowns seem as difficult as trying to solve advanced calculus. I mean, I can relate to this dealing with the Bears offense, so I understand what you guys are going through. <laughs> Sam says, Hank, you're a genius, points in all caps. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we have to score points. Uh, Caitlin, what, what's your key for Chicago? Well, it's definitely got to be, I mean, who's the quarterback? That's my first question. Because mm-hmm. that's going to change the whole game plan, depending on who the quarterback is. Um, right. But I think it has to start with David Montgomery. Um, we need to have the same game plan we had last week, which was basically he should be the bulk of the offense. I want to incorporate Khalil Herbert, our 
rookie running back who filled in a little bit, who had a lot of success. He did finally break off for a big touchdown run last week. I'd like to see more of a, you know, one, two punch with our running backs. I'd like to, that to be our game plan. I've been, you know, screaming for that. It hasn't happened. Hopefully maybe they're finally getting it. Um, and then I don't know about the receivers cause we, it's really Darnell Mooney and who else, like who is going to contribute is the big question, but it needs to be about running the football defensively. I just want to see Robert Quinn is one sack away from breaking our single season record for the Chicago Bears. So I want to see him just go out there and have a monster game and get a couple sacks. That's me personally. Um, Defensively, I just think if they make more of an effort at stopping the run, I think they can have more success and then just continue to get to the quarterback, which is they've been one of the best defenses this year in getting to the quarterback. So that's where I'm at with them. I agree. I think Montgomery has to be the catalyst. I mean, the Bears, 28th ranked offense, but a little bit better than ours. Um, I know the offensive line, not a big Sam Mustafer fan. No. I think James Daniels is okay. Cody Whitehair is okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the tackle situation is like. If it's going to be Jason Peters or Mayfield out there, I think Peters was limited today. So hopefully he's, been he's, missed, he's missed a couple games. Um, we've, kind of been shifting our rookie tackles, Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum with our, and Jermaine Effetti, he's been playing at right tackle. So it's going to be those guys most likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically the battle of the trenches is going to be key. Um, the Giants have been outrushed by a wide margin in many of their losses this season. Um, I think winning the turnover battle is going to be key. I mean, we lost ours last week two nothing. I think pressuring Justin Fields, right? Because Justin Fields, if he plays, or I think, or or Dalton, um. <laughs> <laughs> prepare for anybody. <laughs> it's um, it's a mystery box. Fields has been sacked thirty six times in twelve games. That's three sacks per game. That's 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 bad. Um, you know, so I think if the Giants can pressure Justin Fields, they have a chance. But we'll see. Uh, and that's where the Giants' strength is defensively. It is their secondary and their young edge rushers and Ojolari and Roche. They're just not fully polished players yet. I think once they reach their full potential, they're going to be very dangerous. But when you take Dexter Lawrence out of the equation, now the Bears can focus on doubling Leonard Williams, preparing for those stunt moves at the three tech position or the four eye, wherever the giants decide to play him. So um, Hank, anything else you want to add on keys? Hmm. What's another thing I love to stress that I cannot stress enough. Oh, I would say maybe, uh, you know, getting off the field on third down. I think for both teams, that's key. I mean, I think both teams are going to do it pretty well. What do you say? So, I mean, the bears have a great defense. We're talking about Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, Eddie Goldman up front. I mean, I, against I, this Giants offense. I was going to say, I like their chances better against the Giants. Um, they have struggled getting off the field against other teams, but I think they're facing a team that's kind of like equal to them. So I feel like they could have a big defensive game. Um, but they, it is something they've struggled with getting off the field on third down. They've given up big third and longs multiple times. It's become a recurring issue. So if they can manage that when it's like third and 15 getting off the field, that's, that's the key for them. 
Right. And now moving into like players to watch, who would you say if you had to pick one player offensively for Chicago and one defensively, who are you keying in on and expect a big game from on Sunday? For the Bears offensively, um, I'm going to – the easy ch- answer is David Montgomery, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you for a loop and say that Justin Fields, because I think the fact that he's already practicing this week, it, it's looking good that he's going to play this week, and I think if he's healthy, he's going to be starting. And I think knowing him and his personality, he's going to – come out there with some juice. So I think he's going to have a big game, especially against this Giants defense. So I'm going to go with him. Obviously, if he doesn't start, this doesn't make it, you know, doesn't matter. But that's my prediction. Um, defensively, I think it has to – Robert Quinn is on a tear. He has 17 sacks on the season. He's voted to the Pro Bowl. He He's on a mon- – he's having a monster season. I mean, we haven't been seeing this from Khalil Mack the past few seasons. Like, Robert Quinn has really been our guy this year. And so, especially with the record on the line for him, and I, I just think, you know, the quarterbacks he's going to be facing potentially, I think that's he's going to have, like, a huge game. I really do believe that. I like it. 17 sacks. I mean, he's picked up the slack with Khalil Mack being out for the rest of the year. So that's definitely a good one. Um, I believe Richard Dent is the single-season sack leader for the Bears, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That's correct. Incidentally, he's actually tied for Richard Dent with on second place. Dent also had 17 sacks in that right. in the aforementioned 85 Bear <laughs> season. And then the year before that, he had 17 and a half sacks. And yep. that yep. was actually the year that Walter Payton broke the all-time rushing yards record. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, um, Hank, who are you looking at for the Giants? Okay, I would probably – I'm going to go with Andrew Thomas on the offensive line. I think if the Giants can get some offensive offense going for once, I think he's going to be a good reason. And the reason I say that is because, as we mentioned early in the show, this guy is the lone redeeming factor of the offensive line. He has only allowed one quarterback sack in the last 462 snaps. He is somebody that you absolutely have to build around in the future and – I think if the Giants win this game, he's definitely going to have a big part in, in the victory. That's a good one. I, I like that for sure. Um, Caitlin, any anybody from the Giants? I mean, I know there's there's not much. Let, let's be realistic here. But um, who are you? I don't. I don't even want to say like scared of, but like who catches your eye that might pose a, a matchup problem for Chicago. So what what's up with Saquon right now? Is he actually going to play this week or what's? I think so. I think so. Because I feel like that's the only potential like threat if, if there's anything. But I honestly, no offense, guys. I just don't. No. I Giants, I don't think of anybody in particular. <laughs> no, you're not offending us. We know he's been, <laughs> we know he hasn't been doing well, the best regarding his like recovery from the ACL and I mean, I know it also doesn't have help that he doesn't have a great offensive line either. But then again, Devontae Booker at least had some good games with that offensive line. So I don't know if I could even use that as an excuse. I'm just I'm really disappointed. That's all well, I can say. And at the end of the day, Saquon's also a guy that kind of goes a little too fancy with his running. So 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he plays, keep an eye on Kadarius Tony because I think Jalen Johnson's going to be matched up against Kenny Galladay, and Kadarius Tony still, with all the games he's missed, leads rookie receivers in yards after the catch. Still looking for his first NFL touchdown. I think he could create some mismatches against the slot backs for the Chicago Bears. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um you know, obviously Eddie Jackson back there to Sean Gibson. And um, one name you guys are going to want to remember is Thomas Graham. He's our rookie that we just finally brought off the practice squad in the past two games. He's been been amazing for us um, as one of our other cornerbacks. So just keep your eye on him. He might he might shut down your receiver. Interesting. OK, that's that's a good player to watch. I mean, for me, I mean, for me, it's Cole Komet, guys. Uh Giants, they're not going to be able to cover him. (laughs) I think Roquan Smith is going to be stuffing Barkley up. He won't even get to the second level. Uh, Guys get like 150 tackles on the season. And a former Giant, Alec Ogletree. Yeah, yeah. He's he's done some – I mean, he's he's okay, but as of lately, he's been pretty awesome. Yeah. Defensively, I think we've got a gem in Xavier McKinney. Five interceptions on the season. He's looked really nice. Um, just missed the Pro Bowl by the skin of his teeth. And then we got Leonard Williams playing through that elbow injury. I still think he's a top 10 to 15 interior defensive lineman in the league. Um, and then Hank Lorenzo Carter finally decides to leave his hibernation three sacks in the last two games is only three of the season. Makes no sense on a contract weeks. Only took him 14 weeks. No big deal. (laughs) That's a guy I totally want on the team next year. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what else. There's not many other players to watch for either team, but uh, (laughs) Hank, if I'm stealing a player from the Chicago bears, I'm stealing Roquan Smith. Because we need linebackers. We don't have any. Our only good one is Blake Martinez, who's out for the year with a torn ACL. I miss him. So we could really use Roquan Smith because right now it's going to be Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith starting on Sunday for the Giants at linebacker. The only other player I can think of besides him, I would have to say Robert Quinn. I mean, 17 sacks speak for itself, and you know the Giants are going to need to fix their edge too. So I can't not think of think Roquan Smith is or sorry Robert. Qu- Gosh, I'm getting getting two really good defensive Similar players. Names. Yeah, you you know what I mean. It both of them would help the Giants. That's that's the point. Caitlin, who would you steal from the Giants? I know that might be a difficult question, but <laughs> who who would you steal from the Giants and? I guess you could include injured players out for the season as well, if if that helps. We need some wide receiver help right now. We because we oh my gosh, our depth is like terrible. So your your rookie, what Kadaris Tony, um, I'd probably want him just to help out with Darnell Mooney and just have another option for us because Allen Robinson really hasn't been available for us. So that's probably the only player I could think of. <laughs> He's a good slot receiver too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Geo says hello. What's up, Geo? How's it going? Appreciate the comment. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much – I'm rolling through these injury reports. The Bears, uh, Marquise Goodwin dealing with an illness. J.P. Holtz out of practice today due to a personal reason. Is Duke Shelley your number two corner right now? He's kind of been um, our nickel corner okay. um, starting there. Um, so that's primarily where we use him. Mm. I'm just looking at, I mean, the, the Giants – Raymond Johnson, illness. Chris Myrick, illness. Graham Gano, illness. Keon Crossan, COVID ramp up. Uh, Adoree Jackson, COVID ramp up. And we actually, I was talking with a couple of my buddies before who were trying to parlay this game. Maybe not parlay, but take uh, the over-under here. Dom asked, do you think the combined score of this game will be over or under 37 points? Under. Under. Easy. Easy money. Take the under. All it takes is one like defensive touchdown, though, to screw that up. You know, I'm taking the under as well, but I th- I think it could be over because the I, I, the Bears have the potential to score points. They're just not consistent with it, and it, it it could turn into an ugly blowout, and they just score a bunch. So I don't know. It maybe I'm being biased here, but I think there's a potential where it could go over that. Um, to counteract Caitlin's bias with my bias, I think the Giants defense could hold the Bears offense to keep that under. By no means will it be enough. You know what? We're getting into that now, our game predictions. But um, I think both defenses are going to feast out there, in my personal opinion. I think the Bears offense is slightly less incompetent than the Giants offense, uh, if I'm putting it nicely. But – both good points. I could see the Giants getting blown out for sure. I mean, look, hell, we, we got blown out by Philly last week, which is never good. <laughs> but, uh, Caitlin, what's your prediction for this game? Who's coming out on top? And rough estimate at, like, your final score. I think this is the, the Bears game to win um, just because the, the team they're facing, the matchups, um, and it's also at home for them, their mm-hmm. last 12 games. So it's a, kind of a big deal. Um, I think – just to make the over, I'm going to say 28 to 10 Bears. I think the defense, I think the defense is going to um, dominate and have a really big game. Um, and then our offense, you know, will score here and there, So, which is a plus, I guess. So I'm going to say 28 to 10 Bears. Okay. Hank? Tom, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not making the same mistake I made last time. And besides, eat. Even you would probably want to slap me if I took the Giants again this week. So I want to say Bears 23-13. Just barely under. But All right, no yeah, you're, you're under. Kate, Caitlin's not under. Caitlin took the 38 points, I bet, because Dom had the 37. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Look, the Giants are not winning this football game. I think it'll take a miracle for the Giants to win. Could the Mike Lennon revenge factor play into it? Maybe. No. <laughs> Who the heck knows? Uh, no. Chicago's going to win by a final score of – I'm going to hit the nail on the head here. I'm going to say they're they're going to win 20-13. to 13. I do think the Giants score a touchdown on Sunday. 33 points. Hit the under, folks. So all three of us, clean sweep for the Chicago Bears. You know what that means? 
It's with Soldier Field. Um, those out are our predictions, folks. We all predict the Chicago Bears will improve to six and ten on the season. But Caitlin, is there anything you wanted to add here tonight? Any other insight on the Chicago Bears or anything before we let you go here? Um, there's also the the Justin Fields and what Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm didn't he go to Georgia or something? Georgia. He replaced Justin Fields at Georgia. Yeah. Transferred to Ohio State from Georgia. So Justin Fields is a super competitive guy and he he likes to one up people. So if Jake Fromm's out there and Justin Fields is out there, beware. <laughs> yeah. We will see what happens if Jake Fromm gets out there. I'm almost positive Mike Lennon's gonna start the game because of what happened with Jake last week, but we will see what happens. That's a, that's another interesting storyline to look out for. So, but on that note, Caitlin, where can the people find you one more time? Bear Down Girl Podcast. Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Caitlin Leaner, and then the podcast Twitter account is at Bear Down Girl Pod. During the season, I drop two episodes a week. Tomorrow will be my game preview episode, and then Tuesday I'll come back to recap that game. So in the podcast, I. Drop it on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, however you listen to your podcast, you're able to listen to it. So that's where you'll find it. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Best of luck to your Chicago Bears on Sunday, Bear Down, and uh, we will talk to you again in the future. So best of luck. For sure. Thanks, guys, for having me on. All right. Thank you. That was Caitlin Leaner from the Bear Down Girl podcast, avid Chicago Bears fan. Uh, folks, appreciate all the love, support in the comments section tonight. Uh, Hank, is there anything you wanted to bring up? Any final last words of wisdom here for all the Giant fans hoping that we're all wrong and for the Giants to pull off a win on Sunday? Just score a touchdown. Just make it a watchable game. That's all I'm asking for. It might not sound like much, but that's what that's what I'm saying. Just just make it watchable. I, this I game know. does not just have an impact on Sunday. It has an impact on next season. If the Giants win, mm-hmm. Chicago's draft pick shoots lower again to the point where it could be a potentially – I don't think the Bears are going to be a top-five pick at this point, but it could be – a six or seven pick potentially if the bears lose out Mm -hmm. and if the giants split, I think not to um, what's the word I'm looking for foreshadow into next week. I still think the giants might have one more win on their 2021 schedule. So we will see what that means, but uh, you know what happens every time I pick a win. I'm I'm one of the biggest mushes. Well, no, you you have to pick against the Giants next week. You're not allowed to pick the Giants for the rest of the season. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> oh gosh, Folks, how, do you, appreci- how do you think I feel? How do you think I, as a hardcore fan, feel? I mean, every time the Giants have been losing, and this has probably been true for the past like maybe four or five, maybe longer years. Like every time they lose, I just. I feel like I was responsible even if I was nowhere near the field. How, how do you think that makes me feel? That, that, that's the whole point of the show, Hank, to make you responsible for things you're not for. So, um, Also, shout out Matt Martucci. Appreciate uh, the support. Um, 
following our Facebook page. Folks, we all hope you all have a happy new year. Happy holidays. Stay safe out there. Watch some football on Sunday. And Hank, without further ado, let's go Big Blue. Blue.